Good evening and welcome to this edition of the John and Leah Show. This is the program where each and every Sunday we get together, we talk about the news of the week, the events of our sometimes bizarre lives. We do so in an entertaining, informative, and yes, unique fashion. My name is John Ziegler. She is Leah Brandon. How are you, Leah, this evening? Well, I'm doing okay. It has been a busy, busy week. Yeah, a lot of um, very tragic news, which we'll get to, some of which has impacted uh, your hometown of Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, We'll talk about that in the next segment. For people who have never heard this program before, uh, this is different than anything else you're going to hear, especially on weekend radio. This is a real live, opinion-based talk show that is heard nationwide on 15 different stations from New York to Los Angeles. I come from uh, just, no, I don't come from, but I'm broadcasting just north of Los Angeles. I'm actually originally from just north of Philadelphia, where we're on in Philadelphia, as one of those 15 stations. Uh, Leah comes at us from Alabama, where we'll be on (laughs) shortly on a number of stations Mm -hmm. in her neck of the woods uh, in the next uh, month or so. Uh, Interestingly, Leah, uh, this week, officially, the um, it was announced that we have signed 10 different Salem broadcasting stations. So and that's exciting. So of the 15 stations nationwide, 10 are all part of one deal. That includes our New York affiliate as well as our Los Angeles flagship, which is KRLA. You and I first worked together in Los Angeles at KFI. So people in the Los Angeles market are probably going, gee, they kind of sound familiar. It was a long time ago, but that's us. Uh, we used to do the uh, the very same time slot weekdays at KFI uh, for several years, but now we're on Sunday nights at KRLA. And Phil Boyce, the guy who is the uh, head of spoken word, the spoken word format for uh, <laughs> Salem Media Group, he was yes. quoted in the uh, the press release announcing the 10-station John and Leah show deal with Salem as, the, as saying the following, quote, tell me what you think about this, Leah. The John right. and Leah show is a wild ride across all kinds of topics, including the hot stories of the week. I promise you will learn something and be entertained. John and Leah have been doing great radio since their KFI days, and the ride now continues on Salem stations. Welcome aboard. So said I love uh, it. Uh, Phil Boyd. Yeah, well, Phil is a guy who's uh, very associate, uh, closely associated with the career of Sean Hannity. So that's kind of um, how he became famous in the talk radio world. So I guess he knows what he's doing, or at least he pretends to. That's, that's really all it takes in talk radio is to pretend. If you pretend really well, you can get a lot further, especially if, an off, if you're off air than you are on air in talk radio. But no, Phil's a good guy. I spoke to him this week, and uh, we appreciate uh, that quote in the uh, press release. By the way, if you want to find out all the stations that we're on, just go to our website, which is www.freespeechbroadcasting. That's freespeechbroadcasting.com, freespeechbroadcasting.com. You can also listen to the show via the audio links for all 15 of those stations at freespeechbroadcasting.com. And uh, we're hoping to continue the momentum with the program in the following weeks and months. As I mentioned, we are going to be on in several stations near where Leah is broadcasting from in Alabama uh, soon. We're hoping to add Washington, D.C. in the next uh, week or two. So that'll be exciting. Uh, Also, Leah, as you know, uh, this show has been in transition for the last uh, month or so as we got away from our old studios, which were horrific. And we're now, to say the least, at least my old studios, you've been in the same (laughs) studios, but the studios I've been doing the show out of used to be horrific. 
Um, and now they're, you know, in comparison, it feels like the Taj Mahal. I mean, you know, you know, when you've been a uh, when you've been a prisoner of war, <laughs> a a, uh, a one star hotel feels like the Four Seasons. I um, was afraid you were going to hurt somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, somehow we got through that. But you know, now we're actually adding some toys. They're, they're little toys, nothing great. But again, you got to remember my expectations are low. We've what added, kind of toys? Well, well, we now have some some sound effects. We, we you know we I have the ability to play a few sound effects on the air. You'll rec- You'll recognize this one, one of our favorites from Charles Barkley. It's just flat out ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, yes, I love it. And then we got this one from Hillary Clinton. What difference at this point does it make? <laughs> and then, of course, everyone recognizes this one. Idiots! Oh. Actually, no one recognizes that. That was a host error. That's that's actually from Maleficent in Sleeping Beauty. I love that. Shows you, by the way, that I'm the father of a three-year-old daughter. That Absolutely. I'm now, that I'm now playing audio from Maleficent. Idiots! <laughs> Here's probably more recognizable. So let me be clear. There we go. Oh, and, and speaking of Barack Obama, then, of course, there is the uh, the sound of the news media covering his mistakes. <laughs> and then <laughs> then just just for the heck of it we also got so you're telling me there's a chance all right <laughs> which can be used in so many different ways on this program i love it so yeah i love it so we're slowly but surely uh, getting up to speed here on the john and leah show we got a ton to get to in this edition of the program one of the things i'm looking most forward to speaking of our old kfi days we <laughs> this weekend is the 10th anniversary of the katrina catastrophe the hurricane katrina that hit the gulf coast there was only one good thing that really came out of katrina and it was a music piece that we can put together with a compilation of all the media and political insanity, and I do mean insanity, from the entire Hurricane Katrina fiasco. And later on in the program, we will be playing that. You will not, I promise you, you will not want to miss that. But you won't want to miss any of this. We'll get with the news of the week when we return on the first full segment of the John and Leah show right here, coming up next on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. She is Leah Brandon. We're here for almost the next uh, three hours live talking about the news of the week, the events of our sometimes bizarre lives, doing it in a way that you won't hear anywhere else, especially in weekend radio nationwide. And uh, Leah, we begin with a story that was obviously shocking to a lot of people and I know hit very close to home to you because you have roots in the Roanoke, Virginia area. Tell us about the the tragedy of the uh, live on television shooting uh, that was probably the biggest news story of the week. Yeah, this week it was a reporter and a cameraman, two staffers from a TV station in Roanoke, Virginia, that were shot and killed on live television while doing a report on location. Allison Parker and Adam Ward were both shot in the head by a former co-worker. The audience witnessed the screams of Allison and saw Adam's camera fall to the floor, revealing the face of the killer. Vester Flanagan 
had a history of anger issues and incompetence that had seen him fired from other TV jobs. The morning of the shooting, the general manager of WDBJ addressed the audience who witnessed the whole thing live. Our hearts are broken and our sympathies go to the entire staff here, but also uh, the parents and family of Adam Ward and Allison Parker, who were just out doing their job today. Flanagan taped his own video of the shooting and then posted it to his Twitter account as he was on the run. He also faxed a 23-page rant to ABC trying to justify the executions. In that rant, we found out that he identified with the 9-11 terrorists, the Virginia Tech shooter, the Columbine teenagers, and other mass murderers. Also, one other woman that was being interviewed at the time was shot as well. Her life was spared when the gun either ran out of ammunition or jammed. 17 shots in all were fired. All right. Now, obviously, there's a lot of different aspects to this case. Right. Uh, the first is the human perspective. And I, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, why this was particularly powerful for, for you, Leah? Well, uh, first of all, Allison and Adam um, were at a plaza on Smith Mountain Lake, which this is the place where um, Smith Mountain Lake, everybody goes there boating in the summertime. Uh, everybody has a lake house or has a friend that has a lake house. And so you go and you cruise up to Bridgewater Plaza uh, to get drinks, to hang out, have something to drink there. It's just a big party location. That's where this interview was happening. And they're celebrating 50 years or something, and they want to have a big celebration. So that's why they're out there to begin with. So that really hit home for me. I've been there so many times. It'll never be the same for anybody mm -hmm. who goes there after this. Right. Um, and I still have friends that work at WDBJ. That station, that television station, you know, I lived in Roanoke until for most of my life. Uh, I lived there, and that television station was our TV partner with my radio station when I worked there. So we knew all these guys. It's the same general manager. I still have friends that work there. And um, it, it just was just shocking that this could happen in a place where I've had so much fun and it's always such a great atmosphere. And as far as, you know, just the obvious human tragedy here of two people losing their lives in about as horrible a way as you could imagine. I mean, there's no good way to go, especially when you're that young. And these were very young people. Yeah. But you're, you're simply, I mean, you have, it's almost, to me, if, if, you, if I was trying to configure the worst possible scenario under, other than long-term massive suffering, having like a second or two of terror before you're dead right. with, with no possible explanation I mean, you're dying having no idea why you're dying you have no not no time to to even to do Process. anything nothing yeah. no, you're just you're terrified and then you're dead right. For, within three seconds you go from everything's fine to being terrified to being dead um and for no apparent reason so that's horrific right off the bat so that's the the human angle now, we talk a lot on this show about the media aspect of everything. And because I'm of the very strong belief that the news media in this country is utterly and totally broken, which is impacting every aspect of life. Yes. And, and obviously, this was a story that was inherently a media story because it happened on live television. Right. Now, in a, in a sense, in a way, I don't know if you agree with this, Leah, but I had a. 
I had a very familiar feeling of almost get, um, having deja vu with 9-11, not because the we didn't know at the time that the shooter had sympathy towards the 9-11 uh, hijackers, but it was almost like, well, duh, how hasn't this happened before? Because it's so easy to get what a lunatic wants, which is maximum attention. I mean, right. it is, it's amazing to me with all the insane people we have out there and how easy it would be that we've never had a live television assassination before like this. Yeah. I mean, in this way. One of uh, my first thoughts was, oh, boy, now here come the copycats. Well, it, it would be incredibly easy. It really now I don't know how if it's going to be as easy in the next few weeks or not, but people will lay down their guard again. And it, I mean, it, but it's one of those situations where if you're trying to achieve the maximum terror and and attention, that's the way to do it. And he got exactly what he wanted oh, in yeah. spades. Now, what was interesting watching this story develop, and this is where we. We start to to get into some different aspects of this story that a lot of people don't want to talk about. I don't know, again, if you agree with me or not on this, Leah, but as I was watching the arc of this story from a media perspective, obviously, initially, it was shock and horror that, oh, my God, this happened on live television. Oh, my God, this could have been me. Because that's, you know, these these news people, they're narcissists at heart, right? Let's be, of course. Let's be clear about this there are no more narcissistic people on the planet other than maybe uh, barack obama and, and his ilk than local tv news people or cable tv news people they are narcissists at their heart so you could actually hear the trembling in their voice literally talking about this story because they were so terrified oh my god the world has suddenly changed in front of our eyes and this could have been me or this is this is an attack on us and then we found out who the shooter was. Oh, yeah. And do you, did you sense with me that the tone and the tenor and the magnitude of the coverage suddenly changed rather dramatically? Because the news media became very confused. Because they have a very strict, we've talked about this before, the media hierarchy of protection, right? Uh, and, and, and who it is that they want to favor in any particular story. It's all based on race and demographics and whether you're straight or gay, rich, poor, famous, not famous, all that sort of thing. Well, right. they thought they understood this was an easy story for them. Then they realized, wait a minute, yeah, the guy who did the shooting is a former TV reporter, kind of one of us, he's black and he's gay. Now they're confused because it's not in their DNA to criticize a black gay guy. A black gay guy automatically gets all benefits of the doubt, right? I mean, it's just, it's just not in them to attack somebody like that, even if they've killed two innocent people on live television. So it's almost like their minds were blown. They didn't know how to handle this, their tiny little minds in the news media. Now, when we come back, I want to talk about what really caused this and the nature of, for instance, affirmative action in the news media and the role that played in my my belief of how this tragedy actually transpired. We'll do that when we come back on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. Her name is Leah Brandon. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. Heard on 15 stations nationwide and growing. Talking right now about the very tragic on live on air shooting of two reporters in Roanoke, Virginia. And Leah, um, it's my view that the news media coverage of this thing really uh, got stunted because the media got confused. See, they they like a a very clear-cut narrative that they are comfortable with, that they're familiar with, that uh, fits their agenda, that's easy, it's simple. They don't like nuance. They don't like getting confused because they're stupid. And, And they clearly have a very set view about what the world is like. And when they found out that the killer was a former TV reporter who's black and gay and was claiming racism against at least one, although you can imply two, both, of his of his murder, uh, the people he murdered, um, the news media got very confused. And this story, while it hasn't totally disappeared, I think you would agree that com- in comparison to how it started off, it went away fairly quickly. Would you not agree with that? You know what? I don't know what you're watching. Okay, because I've seen... Because I have seen they've covered every vigil. Right. They've covered them at the high school games. They have had... CNN had all kinds of, you know, psychologists and this and that on. I mean, uh, to me, it seems like it's been covered. All right. Well, no, maybe we're talking about different things. I'm talking about the essence of why and how this happened. See, the, the, the human part of it, I get. They, you know, there's a, it's a human tragedy. Television loves that. But here's the, here's the bottom line of it. Everybody always looks for, okay, what happened? Why did this occur? And, right. and for liberals, the knee-jerk reaction is guns, right? I mean, we got to blame guns. Well, uh, you it, know, they it, all have weighed in on that. Right. Hillary Clinton blames guns. All right, it's guns. We're going to go with guns on this one. Let's <laughs> move on. Um, yeah. uh, instead... You know, what I would have loved to have had, since we've all, we've often had these national conversations, right? Mm-hmm. I guess yes. this, is, this is what I'm talking about. Where's the national conversation on reverse racism and the negative, corrosive, cancerous impact of affirmative action? Where's that national conversation in light of this tragedy, Leah? Yeah, that's never coming. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So so where where do, where is that? Because that's the conversation we ought to be having. Because let's be very clear. Affirmative action is in all aspects of our society, but it is no more prevalent than in the news media and especially in local TV news. Right. Uh, and here's why. It's, it's rather obvious if you think it through. Uh, first of all, being on t- TV reveals what your race your, and your gender and probably your sexuality is, right? So inherently... You know, you can't hide your diversity or lack thereof. So so that's number one. Number two, local TV news is an easy gig. Almost anybody can do it. I mean, you know, I've done it myself. Except for this guy. Well, I'm getting to that. So, that, because that's a key element of this entire tragedy, in my view. I'll be curious if you agree with me. But, because, I mean, I've done this. I've been a local TV sports anchor and a reporter. I was a weather uh, girl. All right, see... On, on local TV, right? Oh, yeah, it's, sure. It's not that tough, okay? Nope. So because it's not that tough and because everybody wants to do it, 
all local TV news is these days, and cable news is getting damn close to it, it's basically a United Nations of whatever demographics a particular station wants to appeal to. Yeah. and that means you got to have a certain number of black people. you got to have a certain number of women. you got to have a certain number of Asians, Hispanics in certain markets. It's probably nice to have a gay guy now, too. Uh, so, I mean, th- this is just the way it is. How good you are on the air is a very small part of the equation. It's how you look, what demographic you are. Uh, you know, and how many boxes can be checked. Here in Los Angeles, I know you remember this, there's about 10 or 11, mostly women, who you have no idea what their ethnicity is. Because they are ethnically ambiguous. Right. They're the perfect local TV people. There's a little bit of Hispanic, a little bit of Asian, just enough white, maybe a hint of black. Wow, (laughs) that's perfect. Because they check all the boxes. Yeah, they're just ethnic. Right. So that's what local TV news is. And so if you're a black guy, especially a gay black guy, in that environment, you expect to do exceedingly well, right? Because oh, yeah. the, the, the deck is stacked in your favor. I realize that to a lot of people who don't understand that, they think that's ludicrous. My God, how could the deck stack be stacked in favor of a black gay man? Trust me, Hello. it is, all right? I've lived it. If I was black and gay, I'd be famous. I can tell you that. But the reality of this is this guy stunk. He was terrible. And, I mean, he was not a bad-looking guy, and he got fat later on, but he was not a bad-looking guy. He had the right look, had a decent voice. He was terrible. And so in order to justify the fact that he could not advance, despite all these advantages of being a black gay guy, he needed an excuse. And the excuse he found, by the way, the first time he tried to sue uh, was for being gay. And he got told, at least according to what I watched on ABC last night, I think it was last night, on ABC, they reported that at that time, you couldn't sue for gay discrimination. So he changed it from gay discrimination to racial discrimination. There you go. And that failed, too. And so now this builds up resentment in him. Now, there's no question that mental illness plays at least some role in this. But I'm not sure this guy was crazy. I don't think he was crazy at all. You don't think he was at all? No. No, I mean, he he clearly was rational enough to play this out in exactly the way he wanted it to. Yes. Um, And I haven't seen any signs that he's completely cuckoo. Uh, I mean, clearly, if you do this, you're a little bit not right. I mean, I think we, we all acknowledge that right off the bat. But I don't think this is primarily about mental illness. I think this is about the frustration that a guy felt for being a failure and as a black guy who happened to be gay couldn't find an excuse. And so he had this anger which built up and built up and built up and he rationalized it and he killed two innocent people. And then he tried to besmirch their their record, their their names in death by by claiming that they're racist. The, the female reporter, he said, was had made racist, racist comments. Racist statements or something, and, yeah. And, uh-uh. and the statements that he had, made, he had claimed were racist at a prior job, not involving the person he killed, were ludicrous. Yeah. She said, uh, can I go out with you into the field? Right, and that was allegedly racist. Cotton so, fields? What do you mean? Right. So this guy... He, he he had been taught. He had been taught by the Al Sharptons of the world. Yes. That's the way to react. If you don't get what you want and you're a black guy, it's because you're black. 
That's what he was taught. We're teaching an entire, this is not an isolated situation, folks. We've taught at least an entire generation of, of specifically black men because they can do no wrong. They can, they can do whatever they want. I mean, and, and it doesn't matter. We, we will always find an excuse because we don't want to accept that certain things happen. And why they actually happened. Well, this this was the prime example. This was an affirmative action killing. That's what this was. A double murder. Motivated by a failure who was, who was so frustrated by it because we live in an affirmative action world. And there's no place in this affirmative action world where it's more prevalent than local TV news. Am I right? Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and you know, this is a guy who was just angry. He was just angry. And remember the other tweet that he sent out was that that cameraman went to HR after working with him one time in the, quote, field because he lost it and threw all of his equipment down and then went away for 20 minutes into the woods. And by the way, just for the record, you know, here's it was a white guy who was the photographer. How bad does it have to be for a white guy photographer to make a complaint on the first day about a black gay guy. It's got to be really bad. It's got to be horrific. All right, folks, that's the real world we live in. Now, when we come back, we got to talk about what happened in Houston, which in some ways might even be at least as bad, if not worse, than yeah. what happened in Roanoke on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. She is Leah Brandon. And Leah, before we get to what happened in Houston, one last point on the Roanoke shooting for right now. One of the things that I think really confused the heck out of the news media is that they are trained to believe any claim of racism. Right? Oh, sure they are. In fact, even after it's been debunked, they still believe it. Look what happened with hands up, don't shoot. So, right. So even if you completely debunk and disprove a claim of racism, it still has enough validity if it's good enough. Like with hands <laughs> it up. It may not have happened here, but it's happened. Or theoretically. So we're going with it. It could have happened somewhere. It's, yes. good, it's good enough. It's, it's symbolic of a larger sort of reality <laughs> that may not actually have actually ever occurred but we're gonna go with it because (laughs) black people don't lie about racism so the news media was in this very difficult spot of they got a black gay guy claiming the woman he just killed on live tv was a racist they got to pick a lane on that so is he lying or not and if he's lying which he is obviously if he's lying then why couldn't other claims of racism also, oh, please don't start trying to hook up other things with this. This oh. is an isolated incident. <laughs> oh, this is the first and only time this has ever happened. That That's a, correct. That a black gay man has lied about discrimination. Okay. That's right. correct. I want to make that clear. All right. Um, now, the uh, equally horrific story out of Houston, where we're heard actually on the Salem station in Houston. Uh, so tell us about what happened there, Leah. Well, a sheriff's deputy in Houston was shot and killed in cold blood while pumping gas. A 47-year-old deputy, Darren Goforth, was a husband and a father 
The suspect, Shannon Miles, walked up on the deputy, shot him three times in the back, and when he fell, the suspect shot him four more times. He is under arrest. He has a lengthy rap sheet. He's being charged with capital murder. And so far, there is no link whatsoever between the deputy and the suspect. Sheriff Ron Hickman says this was an unprovoked attack. He says the attitude towards law enforcement in the U.S. has taken a dangerous turn because the media bangs the drum of racism in law enforcement. So at any point when the rhetoric ramps up to the point where calculated, cold-blooded assassination of police officers happened, this rhetoric has gotten out of control. And as a side note, especially regarding this story, it's very interesting to point out that the mainstream media so far has refused to call the suspect a black man. Surveillance video from the gas station clearly shows a black man as the suspect, yet until his apprehension and even after, the media has called him a man with a dark complexion. I want to laugh at that. This is obviously a story that's not worthy of laughter in any way, shape, or form. It's unreal. Uh, it, but it's it's so not even surprising anymore that the news media bends over backwards to pretend that certain things didn't happen because it doesn't fit their agenda or their worldview. And so to them, you know, imagine if this story was remotely reversed, right? Oh, Remotely I mean, reversed. there would be uh, marching in the streets. Not only that, but but there would be zero hesitation. Yeah. I mean, regardless. A white guy uh, shot a. Oh, it's. I mean, regardless. If the guy who did the shooting of a black man, uh, law enforcement or not, I mean, he would be presumed white no matter what. I mean, sure. I mean, any any pigmentation in his skin would be blamed on a, on a deep tan by the news media. He would have to be white um, or white Hispanic. Right. Well, yeah. You know, look at look at uh, George Zimmerman for heaven's sakes. Yeah, right. white so, Hispanic. Right, uh, what? How he is, was a white Hispanic. How the hell is George Zimmerman a white guy? Uh, but regardless, <laughs> regardless, um, here's the deal. And, and, you know, God bless that sheriff who made that statement. Um, and, and God bless the sheriff's deputy who, who was assassinated for no other reason than because of the hatred that was obviously, obviously imbued in this killer by a news media with an agenda. The Roanoke killing happened because of affirmative action. This happened because of media fomented hatred of right. law enforcement by black people, all because it's good for their agenda, good for their ratings, good for their politics, and it's a nice, easy narrative and a way to make excuses for why black people aren't more successful than they are. That's right. what this is about. That's that is exactly what it's about. I agree. I mean, it's, it infuriates me, not just because an innocent guy with a family is dead, murdered in cold blood. And by the way, look. It's you know it's very dangerous to start comparing which killing is more horrific than another, which is life life is more valuable. But for all intents and purposes, this is worse than an unarmed anybody being apprehended because this is an attack on our society. This is an attack on law enforcement as a whole. And for all intents and purposes, the guy was not armed because he was pumping gas. Right. I mean, a cowardly attack. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's what the hell is happening? What is happening to us? 
it, it's gotten insane. I mean, and on almost on almost a daily basis now, Leah, crazy things are happening. Things that used to have been not too long ago would have been considered the worst thing that would happen in an entire year. Now That's you, right. Now you got to weigh which was the worst thing that happened in a week. Now, and I mean, I realize that part of that's because we know more. There's just more news. There's more video everywhere. So we know of more things. But something is happening to the fabric of society. And it's the news media that's tearing that that fabric, and especially on racial lines. Um, now, you know, we don't know. We haven't heard from the killer. Um, but let's I mean, let's be serious. I mean, it, there was there was no motivation here. At all. And it's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence that... And, I, and do you think anybody in the news media even puts this together? That after months and months of fomenting this hatred, that something like this would happen? Do you think they... Absolutely think, not. You, you think oh, they, no. This is just a coincidence. It's just a coincidence. No, because uh, they're reporting the news. They're reporting the news. That's all they're uh, doing. Yeah, well, where the hell's you know, Black Lives Matters crowd along with the news media has blood on their hands on this one absolutely i, mean, I agree with that I mean, black lives matters i mean the black lives matters group is so utterly insane that they've now tried to make it racist if you if a democratic presidential candidate like martin o'malley has the audacity to say all lives matter racist that's, that's <laughs> i mean what 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 kind of insanity is that? No, like, and what's really insane is he apologizes for saying it. Yeah. Well, that's because he's a Democratic presidential candidate. I mean, I mean, let's be serious. I mean, come on. It's just flat out ridiculous. I mean, it, it is it is flat out ridiculous, Charles. I mean, it is. There, it is the whole thing, if it wasn't so infuriating and if it wasn't so sad, it would be funny. I mean, and there's a part of me that wants to be able to deal with this in a way that it is funny because... I don't know how to process it otherwise. And I, by the way, it's only going to get worse. It's only going There's no going back from this. No. But, and why the hell would anybody be a police I officer? I wouldn't. Why? Wh- who, who right now? Who is the mother or the dad right now that is when their eight-year-old son is playing with guns and wants to pretend to be a police officer, says, Daddy or Mommy, that's what I want to be when I grow up. What dad or mom is saying, that's right, you Junior? What, 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 what dad or mom is doing that? Seriously, is that happening anywhere right now? No, no. and I'm really good friends with a former Birmingham police officer, and he said there's no way he ever would have gotten into it. He said it is completely different than when he was a police officer, and God help them all. And, and that is going to have, and already is happening, in places like Baltimore, Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C., ba- our nation's capital. Which has never been a you know a paragon of virtue in any way, shape, or form, morally, criminally, whatever. But there are portions of Washington D.C. now where they can't drive the buses after dark. There you go. Uh, there's shootings. There are shootings right in front of the police station in yep. Washington D.C. They don't care. And if you're the police officers, why would you do anything about it? What? What? Especially you're going to get reprimanded. Especially when. The vast majority of people committing the crime, because that's the population, for instance, in Washington, D.C., or downtown Baltimore, or where you are in Birmingham, why why would you ever 
do, do anything when the, all that's going to happen is, I mean, you could have a black person legitimately charging at you with a gun, and if you kill them, you're going to get blamed. Yeah, you, you will. Your life is going to get destroyed, and that's not, that is not even a stretch anymore. That's like mm-hmm. almost a certitude because we've now said, not we, but the news media and the left and the Black Lives Matter crowd have set up the rules in a way that make it absolutely impossible for a police officer to do their job. Are police officers perfect? Obviously not. Nobody is. But this has gone way, way too far, and it's going to have massive implications. When we come back, our weekly look at the race for the White House 2016, and as usual, that means Donald Trump, more Donald Trump, and more Donald Trump on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.